Welcome to episode 865 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 865 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you go, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? Oh, you know, I feel like I've just been hanging out for a lot lately. Yeah. Because we're recording shows back to back. I can still smell the chlorine. <laughs> you know, he's, he's still not wearing a cap. No, he is wearing a cap. There we go. Yes. Um, so to this week's show, we are away this week. Where are you? I am actually not away. I'm helping organise today the Canterbury Primary Schools Triathlon. Uh, so... Interesting to see if our, if our numbers kick back this year because COVID really smashed it to pieces. Oh, really? Uh, so where do you run it? Uh, out where I have the Oxman race out in North Canterbury. So back in the day, we used to get about a thousand kids turning up oh, for wow. this race. Okay. Um, it's it's what did you have last year? Several hundred. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so hopefully the numbers pick pick back up. But it's a, sort of a breeding ground for our local triathletes, so ages well, the year six, so six, eleven to. Sort of no, probably ten to thirteen year olds. I'm very lucky about this, John, because mm. I'm actually doing a talk for women in something. Yeah. Uh, when we normally record the show next week, ah. so it worked out perfectly that you're away because I was like, Good. yeah, because I was, was going to be like, John, we need yeah. to do this, and, and then you came to me and said, Bevan, I need to. It's a win-win. My talk is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. You can go first. We have got uh, Aaron, the Tango Man Torillo. That's a great name. We've got Nicholas Hitch Pocock. And John Weir in Tears. It's John Weir, nickname. That's in great. That's, that's one of our best. <laughs> it's one of John Weir in Tears. Shut up, yes. The Tango Man is pretty cool. We don't deliver shit. We, yeah. deliver, we, we deliver on the on the nicknames. Now, this week's show, we've got Pretend <laughs> <laughs> Pretend, I was reading the show notes this morning. I was like, "What's all this about?" I was like, "That's big news." And I was like, "I'll back it up." It's we've, pretend we've, news. <laughs> we've got no news because we're pre-recording and there's nothing happening anyway. So I thought I'm going to make up some pretend news. Fake. It's fake news. I, I, partly the reason this came up, I was so pissed off yesterday. Tell me about I it. saw this um, article in the newspaper, and it was about these morons. We we've had these Did terrible, you, terrible floods in the North Island uh, of New Zealand, and terrible, people terrible. have died. Yeah, horrific. And just massive devastation. Devastation. Uh, horrendous. And there's these numpties up there that are going, oh, I've, I've seen, I've heard, this is not, I'm not making this up. The morgues are full. They've run out of body bags and stuff for people. And I'm like, Oh, do you mean like conspiracy theory Conspiracy. People? It's just like, I really just want to go and find that person and punch them in the face. <laughs> because you're allowed to have different opinions on things. You respect different opinions. Don't agree with it. I get a bit fired up about things. <laughs> but when you're just spreading Complete and utter lies. But John, did you not see the photo? Yeah. <laughs> God, it does my head in. Anyway, so we, I we thought... We have interesting times around that stuff, don't we? Oh, it's just ridiculous. So you thought then you'd make up some fake news. So I thought, right, I'm, I'm making up... I'm inspired. Well, actually, not necessarily fake news. Some cool headlines. This may actually happen. This, this okay, headlines may, you want to see. Yeah, so we've got some pretend news. We've got Pro of the Week. We've got an interview. Um, I'm looking five. forward to that. Haven't done that. We're, we've talking with Helen Davis, who we've talked to in the past. Um, she was a sports psychologist. She did the Iron Mind with Lucy Gossage, so I'm going to catch up with her on a few things. I'm uh, looking forward to that. So it might be a bit of a shorter show this week. Okay, let's get into our fake news segment. No, what some cool headlines would be this year. <laughs> okay, hopeful headlines, we'll call it. Jan Fredino, 
out sprints Alistair Brownlee and Gustav Eden in the final one kilometre to win the World Championship. Yeah, okay, that's not going to happen because Gustav's not racing. Uh, well, based off his of World Triathlon Series racing, I certainly hope he gives up on that dream because he got like nearly last in the first round. Oh, did he really? Uh, and he got his shoes confiscated. Well, <laughs> so oh, really? He's that was old news, but he, he, they basically... At that race? Yeah. Um, oh, we didn't talk about it. Tell me about it. So he has his, his on running shoes, which he wore in Kona last year, yep. uh, and they're not um, necessarily legal. They were fine then, yep. but now they're not legal in why? terms of... Too, too uh, thick? I'm not sure if it's too thick or, or if the pitch is too much. I'm not exactly sure why. Bottom line is that they're not legal, uh, or whether they may not be available commercially, I'm not sure, in okay. and that's one of the, the key criteria. And so, yeah, somebody put in a protest, and his shoes got taken off him in... Uh, at the World Triathlon Series in Abu Dhabi. Did he get his peer, peer? Well, I would hope. I think, I think he probably does. Um, but he probably wants that result removed from his history. Probably would go, yeah, please disqualify me. So do you think I, he can get to the Olympics? Uh, he can definitely get to the Olympics. Whether he can be competitive, I certainly don't think so, based off what I've seen um, of late. Has uh, Blumenfeld uh, gone uh, short yet? Sorry? Has Blumenfeld gone short? Uh, yeah, he, he's doing all right. Um, but he had pulled out of that one. He was, um, wasn't was well. Um, but yeah, I think Blumenfeld can be competitive again. Um, Gustav Eden hasn't shown anything that he's going to be. Uh, he might be competitive-ish, but I just, just, I just do not see him being remotely close to getting Do you see him, Blumenfeld? Blumenfeld, if the, do, do if the get, cards do you roll, think he can win the gold medal, um, get a medal again? Definitely be an outside chance. But so but who's, not, your, who's your picks right now? For well, you got to think Hayden Wilde and Alex Yee. Um, and then, but then there's a whole cluster below that that could come knocking on the door. And we've both seen with Alex Yee and Hayden Wilde, they're not indestructible, but you'd put your money on them. And then there's probably... Ten other guys God, that are going to be um, that are going to be amongst it. So okay. anyway, that's that's so, headline one. Okay, headline one. So for Rodino, so this is what you want to see. Uh just be kind of cool headline. I'd be happy with seeing this. Rodino outsprints Alistair Brownlee. So, okay, okay. Let's let's go back to reality. So you think Eden is going to race the World Championships? Ah, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Do you he's, re- he seems committed to the Olympics. So I'd be probably. I don't think he will. But um, and and I do would. you think Brownlee can get to the start line? Uh, yeah, but he's got to qualify though. That's going to be his challenge now. He's got to do another Ironman to well, qualify but, somewhere. Well, as long as his body's right, he could do it some race and mm, mm. cherry pick it. But yeah, Brownlee's a, he's just I'd a love glass to see right. it though. Oh It'd yeah, awesome. I, I'd love to. Brownlee's Ironman career has been a really frustrating career, um, just because of his body, uh, and it's hard to know if he'll ever have a consistent period. I'd love to see him have a couple of years where he could just train like an Ironman mm. you know okay okay what's the second hopeful headline Lucy Charles leads by 10 minutes off the bike in Kona hanging on to win by 10 seconds over Flora Duffy who made a surprise debut at Ironman Hamburg to get her Kona <laughs> slot <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Flora Duffy hasn't done very so wait a second she, oh, no, so, so Lucy finally gets her win. She, she hangs on to get, okay. her, get her win after okay. having a 10-minute lead evaporated. Because she had, what, four or five seconds now? Oh, it's it's got to be four or five. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. Uh, and Flora Duffy hasn't even done nine men, and she hasn't done particularly well at the sort of the half Ironman distance, but she's going to step up and do Hamburg, qualify, and then go over to Yeah, Kona. will Flora go to the Olympics? Yeah, she's definitely keen to, to do the Olympics. So it's highly unlikely this one's going to go. Highly out. unlikely. Unless you were mean and you said Flora Duffy passes Lucy Charles for the win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been pretty cruel. And okay. he- headline number three, the Collins Cup is actually a close contest. <laughs> do we know if that... Do we, we, we know there's stuff is going to change. Mm-hmm. Do we know stuff's going to change in we, the way they do the race? Uh, no, we don't. 
So we know the venue's going to change. We know the venue's going to change. Uh, and we know roughly when in the time of the year it's going to be, and that's going to be different. John and I, as in John and I know, because yeah. we're inside news. Uh, what we don't know is the the format of that race. I really hope they do a different format. There you go. So that's three. Okay, what, what's your dream format for Collins Cup? Uh, Team Toronto? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, either you could just have a straight race, but then it's just another race. So you've got to do something a little bit different. Haven't given that enough thought to, to comment on the fly there, Bevan. How many athletes do they have? You have from each? Uh, 12. 12 from no, each. No, no, six males. Yes, 12. Six males, so six females. Six from each continent or six region, mm. whatever you want to call it. Um, Imagine a 12 man team time trial. Yeah, it'd be or, pretty cool. Or a six man it? team time trial. And you could drop athletes off, so four have to finish or something. Mm. It wouldn't be very compelling watching, though. Team no. time trials are boring as batshit. And also, how do you make that female? Oh, so it'd be six, six on six. Yeah. So, I don't know. What does it have to be a team time trial? Why do, you know why what? Too gimmicky though. That's the only thing. But that's what they did with Collins Cup. Mm. That is kind of gimmicky, isn't it? Mm. So anyway, yeah. Who knows? Well, we'll find out soon. Okay, those are the hopeful headlines for 2023. <laughs> Quiz question: How many matchups did Europe actually win at the Collins Cup last year? So there's 12 oh. races all up. How many did Europe win? We know that they dominated, um, but how many did they actually win? Okay, that's a really good question. Okay, let's go to a pro of the week. We're going to look at you. You did the random. I did the random. Random.org, and he came up with number 71 pro of the week. So this is the 71st ranked athlete in the PTO right now. And we have an athlete by the name of Molly Hepta. Hepta. Never heard of her from before. From the United States. Born in 1990, so 32 years old. She's new to the sport. She's done 2021 and 2020. Uh, she discovered the sport while serving as a Marine Corps officer stationed overseas. Um Looking at a way to stay active in competitive post-collegiate sports, she joined the Marine Corps triathlon team and subsequently fell in love with multi-sport world. Fast forward five years and Molly has secured three consecutive Armed Force National Championships, several age group half Ironman wins and multiple overall female half Ironman wins. She's now racing as a professional at the half Ironman distance. So I couldn't find out much about her. No, but if you um, look at her results, so in 2021 she got 11th in Ironman, uh, 70.3 Texas, 4th in Florida, these are all 70.3s, uh, 8th in how did say that one? I'm not sure where you are now. Okay. Oh, Des Moines. Des Moines. Yeah. Uh, fifth in the Rev 3, Williamsburg. Uh, this year, on 2022, she managed a third in Los Cabos. Uh, fourth in 70.3 Boulder. Eagleman, eighth. So kind of sticking at that distance. But but the, the point, the, she's ranked 71st in the world, and that's not bad. You know, yeah. that, you've got to be half decent. The, but one of the big results that helped her was finishing uh, 17th in the PTO US Open. You might think, oh, 17th is not that great. Yeah, she actually performed really well, and that gave her 71 points. That was her highest points scoring race. And when you look at her result, you go 17th, a bit down the field, but she's amongst some really good athletes. She, her run split was the ninth fastest. She ran a, a 1.12.47, uh, and that's competitive with pretty much all the athletes bar Ashley Gentle, who just absolutely well, and, and Tamara Jewett, annihilated who 108 yeah but but you look through all the athletes in the top 10 Taylor Nib, Lucy Charles you know they're all yes, 111 112 um, Lisa Norton 113 Flora Duffy 113 um, I can't remember the race so she obviously just ran through the field it was really hot and she, yeah, she, um, Ashley Gentle ran through Taylor Nib had a big lead so coming off the bike she was run. ninth. yeah no she and like her run time there was on par with some of the bo the boys, uh, so yeah, Molly Hepta finished seventeenth there. Um, she's a bit a little bit slow on the swim, um, you know, average on the bike, and uh, put on a really good run split. So 
the one thing that I did also notice about her, last week's guest on the podcast, um, Carrie Lester, she's part of Kiss Coaching, and then I noticed that um, Molly is actually part of that team. So, oh, okay. Uh, athlete, you know, on the rise um, and ranked 71st in the world. 32 years old. Um, she was born in 1990, John. Mm. Man, we're getting old. We are getting old. You know, when you kids... Actually, what's the date? When a 32-year-old was born She's, in 1990... Uh, Depends how they do these dates on here. Her birthday is either right about now on the 9th of March. We're recording or, this on the 7th? Yeah, but it depends. If, if, I don't know if they're using American dates oh, for her date yeah, of birth okay. or not. Yep. Or otherwise her birthday is later in the year. There we go. Molly Hepter, look out for her. 71st in the world. Now, you've also done a male athlete and you've come through number 10 from stats.org, uh, right random.org, and Aaron Royal. Now, Aaron was the one, he did really well, was it in Canada? He did. Yeah. Uh, so Aaron is a former... I'll tell you what. Short Aaron Royal has the best photo on the PTO website. He's <laughs> got cheesy sunglasses. Oh, on. he's looking cool. Yeah. He's got the bright green sunglasses, got the big cheesy smile. He has the, the rest of them, sometimes are pretty average photos. Yeah. You can tell they've been photoshopped out or something, but Aaron Royal wins the photo competition. So back in 2012, at the 2012 World Triathlon Grand Finale, which was in Auckland that year, Aaron won the under twenty three men. And okay. that's, uh, that's no mean feat to win the under twenty three. Uh, but then what happened with his career? He it's one of those careers where he's always been there or thereabouts. He was always a good swimmer. Yep. Um, actually, just incidentally, when he won that world title, he beat out Fernando uh, Alaza, who's a very good Spanish athlete. Yep. Um, Thomas Bishop, who's from Great Britain, who's also turned out to be a good athlete, and Pierre Lacour, who's one of the top Frenchies. So uh, it's often a sign of things to come. And yeah, he, he had a, he's had a really good career. There was a, a sort of a period there where he was consistently getting you know top fives on the World Triathlon circuit. Uh, and and these were the elite race, not the World Cup. Yeah, no, this is an yep. elite race. So okay. he went, went to, I think, several Olympics, went to Tokyo, only finished 26th there. But he's sort of been in... A little bit of wind down, not wind down, but his results have been winding down a bit since um, sort of 2018-ish. And uh, and then, yeah, he's gone long course and sort of reinvented himself and had some fantastic races. Uh, but yeah, as Bevan said, most notably the PTO ones, and that's why his ranking is currently 10th. He finished 9th at the World 70.3 Champs, but 7th at the PTO US Open, but more importantly, 3rd at the PTO Canadian Open. Now, I'm uh, only on the PTO site. Early on in his career, did he have, other than tw- when he was 20, did he have many wins? Not a lot of wins, but so in his, his uh, he's done 105 starts at World Triathlon type events, 12 podiums and four wins. Okay, um, so, so he had four wins there, and mm. then he won Ironman, oh, sorry, Noosa Triathlon, this mm-hmm. is later on, uh, he's got Ironman 70.3 Sunshine Coast, he will get a win, and then Challenge Wales, mm. so, and, it, and probably the most stellar result in the latter part of his career was that PTO, which was a phenomenal race, wasn't it? It was. Kind of came out of nowhere, race. wasn't it? Because it was yeah. a great field. Yeah, and you normally pick him to be there or thereabouts in the swim, maybe get a bit smoked on the bike, and then uh, and then put in a good run. But uh, no, good performer. But yeah, lo- often a guy that was sort of fifth fifth through tenth. Um, however, sort of 2015, 2016, you know, he had, he had multiple podiums uh, that year at World Triathlon Series races. So for example, 2015 World Triathlon Series in Stockholm, he finished third there, and he's behind uh, Javier Gomez and Yao Pierre, beating guys like uh, Henry Schumann and, and, and the likes. So, you know, he was uh, he was solid. Not necessarily a big-time winner, but solid, and he's making a resurgence on the long course and currently ranked 10th. How so much money would have he made him? being like a 
as a as a world triathlete. You know, in the short course world. We've done fine. I don't actually know. Um, But when you're on that circuit, you know, you're getting funding from your national federation, so your costs are low. Um, Get to keep all your money, and often when you go to races, it's going to be covered. Would he make more than 100 grand a year? Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, I would have thought. I would have thought so. I don't know, okay. but I would have thought he would have done okay. Okay, there you go. Um, there you go, Aaron Royal. Okay, there's another second pro of the week. Okay, let's go to one, two, three, four, high, high five. five. What you should do, but possibly don't do immediately after an AU race. So this got prompted yesterday. Uh, More conspiracy? No, no conspiracy on this one. Moon landing. Had a had a, um, a fellow who was helping with a program for Ironman New Zealand. It was the first one. Did amazingly well. Oh, um, great. 13 hours, 20, first Ironman, came one of those guys or girls that's come from being a big unit, you know, and I'm okay. talking yep. big unit, lost a huge amount of weight. stuff. He did Oxman, my Oxman race I organised this year, which was only his second sort of long course triathlon and improved it by an hour, I think it was, oh, on wow. the previous year. That's cool. Um, but he, I sent him an email saying, well done, it looks like it went really well, you know, nice even performances. Yep, really stoked with it. He's expecting 15 hours-ish and it was 13 and a half, so he was stoked. Uh, he said, oh, geez, I'm going to need a break now. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. And yeah. I said, oh, I hate to break it to you, <laughs> but uh, what you should be doing, and this is one of my points down here, is actually, uh, and I'll go straight to point number five. So I'll go five back up. Okay, I'll meet you halfway. Uh, so my point number five on a high five of things you should do but possibly don't immediately post your sort of A race is carry on with exercise for five to seven days with easy spinning, swimming and maybe some jogging. And the reason for that, as much as it'll hurt, it will help your recovery um, and it also, in my experience, will significantly reduce the risk of injury when you do restart the engine. If you just go and do an iron distance race or, or a big race and you do nothing, you're going to be sore for quite a few days. You're going to seize up. You're going to tighten up. And then when you do get going, I find that athletes struggle a lot more. So I generally try to encourage athletes. They don't often always take this advice, but do something for five to seven days, then have a couple of weeks off. Um, some people do walking, which I personally don't find that helps at all. I actually find that makes things worse. So sure, you're getting a bit of movement in there. When you've got maybe running, so when we think about running, do you wait to... Because it depends on how much damage you've done in the race because mm. sometimes post time you can hardly walk mm. um, but let's say you haven't done that much damage uh, do you still wait to the back end of the week? Oh no even if, if you've done damage I would try to encourage people to be running within you know three days or so of just like a yeah, half hour yeah, 20 waddle minute, easy job I, I remember last maybe the first time we did road and I was in a world of pain and I think Phil and I went and ran a little lap around that park and it was horrendous um, but it certainly helped oh the park where we were staying yeah yeah I love that park it's one of my favourite places in the world um, okay I'll go number one awesome nutrition and hydration have a plan for the first 24 hours before partying starts plenty of antioxidants a smoothie of protein berries dairy would be a great point starting point as well you keep talking I'll get that God, we're just going to carry on the doors will they be hearing that the doorbell ringing courier delivery uh number four and this is a bit of an oddball one but 
check your tyres on your bike before you pack it all up uh, so you don't have that panic at the next race where you've got nicks and, nicks and marks and, and the potential punctures in your tyres. So check your tyres before you pack your bike away, especially if it's an end of season race and you are going to be, right, this is the moment, what's Bevan been delivered yeah, here? I don't actually know, I've got something here, I can't, don't know what I've bought. Yeah. Wait, you keep talking for a second. Uh, so check, check your tyres for any marks or nicks so you know if you're going to need to change them. Just going back to point number one, do you have a formula, you, you know, like Stoffin, was it, um, was it how much protein? It's about 40 grams of protein post-race or 30 grams of protein and then carbs or something. Do you have formulas you work towards or it's just about a healthy food? Um, healthy food, but definitely trying to look at antioxidants and protein. And so if you've got, a, if I had a blender available to me, I'd love to make a smoothie with berries, with uh, some fruit in there, plenty of protein, and then you're getting a, it's just it's a completely different taste to what you've been having during the day uh, and you're sort of cover, covering all your bases. So if you're travelling and that, that wasn't necessarily available to you, I'd be trying to get in some, some chocolate milk and just trying to get some good stuff into me initially. I'm not pretending to preach like I am gospel level bloody yep. diet because I'll eat some chips and things like that as well yep. but trying to cover just off those bases again number two is get your compression happening so either your compression tights if you've got those bloody what are they called the normal, so the boots compression yeah, boots they're great have you got some yeah, yeah do you use them much yeah yeah fantastic yep um, yeah so get your compression going uh, and last one trying to do some flexibility work obvious but just trying to have some discipline around that and again that's going to really enhance your recovery and also uh, re- in my opinion reduce your risk of injury going forward so that, there we go Bevan high five on things you should do but possibly do you know, don't okay here's another one post race review oh yeah yeah you know what yeah. I mean I know yours is more about looking after your body mm. but so many people never do it mm. you know yeah, they it's so an important thing for if you, if you've got more challenges in front of you because um, so it, it forces you to you know you can often learn. dwell on the dwell on the negatives yeah. and you might you know 75 to 95 or 90% of your race might have been really good but chance say you probably focus on that 10% that wasn't so good yeah. whereas you go well you know up to that point there or that, that part that part went really really well um, so I raced it last weekend uh, or the weekend before last by the time oh, this comes out how'd you go? Uh, well, I ran really well, and so that's what I'm. My focus on my bike was pretty. Second half of my bike was pretty pathetic, um, but I was reasonably tired and sore. But the run was really well, and so I'm really focusing on fantastic run. I know the other areas that I want to work on, and so really focus on the things that you did do well, um, rather than dwelling too much on but the things that didn't go well. Yeah, but there wasn't. Oh no, actually, well, I was first old fart. Um, t- a couple of young fellas uh, smoked me. Um, so yeah, could have done better, but it was a. It was more going to be a hard training session, um, but I was very happy with the intensity that it brought to the run. What's it all for? What, 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 is there anything? Is it over forty? Uh, I think it probably was. Yeah, mm. I think there was only three in our category. He took it out. Yeah, <laughs> you were the best old fart out there. Yep. Okay, we're going to interview coming out. Helen Davis. She came on the show a while ago. She is a sports psychologist. Um, who's got that course with Lucy Gossage we'll put a link to it in the show notes uh, if you want to check that out and she's also just yeah, really good and interesting stuff so here is Helen right now Hey team, so unfortunately the lady that we were going to be doing the interview with had to pull out last minute for some reason or another and so we couldn't get that interview done for today's show we'll get her back on in a few weeks and we'll be talking about that kind of support psychology stuff with her um, but also John and I pre-recorded all this last week and John was unable to do the show today 
to well to make up for this interview. So I thought to kind of get the full hour out in the show, I'd do a bit of a segment on things that Bevan's been thinking about. Uh, and this may be a bit bitsy, but I hope that it can add a lot of value maybe in your triathlon stuff, but also just in some life stuff as well. And one thing I want to talk about in particular is I was listening to an interview with the New Zealand Breakers coach. So most of you guys won't, wouldn't even heard of the New Zealand Breakers. They are a basketball team in the Australian Basketball League, but the New Zealand team within the Basketball League. And historically, they've actually been one of New Zealand's most successful teams that have gone to Australia because what tends to happen so for example we have the New Zealand Warriors which you may have heard us talk about on the show in the past they play in the Australian Rugby League competition we've got the Wellington Phoenix they play in the football competition and so on and traditionally our New Zealand teams haven't done that well when they've gone into the Australian sports competition. Uh, no like for example the Warriors have never won the NRL and the Phoenix have never won the soccer competition in Australia and the Breakers have won it about 10 years ago I think they had won it three times in a row they may have even won it more than that but in the last few years it's been a real struggling time for the Breakers because uh, player they had ownership change then there was lots of changes in players and then um, COVID was really hard because unfortunately for all sporting teams that were New Zealand based in COVID they had to basically go live in Australia and the Breakers just really struggled to be honest all New Zealand sporting teams really struggled through that period and the Breakers were a good example of that so much so that last year they got last in the competition and they fired their coach and then they introduced a new coach and unfortunately I I can't actually remember his name but he took over the team at the beginning of this year and currently they are in the finals so it's two in the finals I think the final game is either tonight or tomorrow night Wednesday New Zealand time based on when we're recording this Um, and so they've got a chance of winning the whole championship and this was a team that got dead last last year so something really massive has changed and this coach is a coach that seems to be quite revolutionary he seems to be um quite like he's the kind of coach that won't last much longer in this league because you can see him one day having an NBA career as a coach now there's probably a few more steps in his pathway to get there but I love I love exploring high level coaches and I remember recently when my book came out I got an I did an interview with one of New Zealand's top podcasts and they kind of as a part of their interview they have the fun questions that you chuck on at the end it's kind of like what John and I do you know what's your fastest marathon but one of the questions was who were three famous New Zealanders or three New Zealanders that you'd want to go out for dinner with and I don't really tend to like those questions because for me I suppose it would be people that I would want to go out for dinner with but it's you know like it's Often, it's often when you meet people who are maybe your heroes, they can be a bit of a disappointment. And sometimes it's nice just to have someone in a box where they just sit in that place in your life. But the, the kind of person, and so I really struggled with the question. Then when the interview came around, the lady's name was Brody, Brody Kane. She's quite a popular New Zealand kind of celebrity slash figure. Um, on the show, when she finally asked me, it kind of came into my mind that the two people I'd love to go out to lunch with is Scott Robinson and Nolene Torea. And Scott Robinson is the Crusaders rugby coach. Uh, the guy is an absolute winner. Like, he's every team he's coached, 
has won. So he started, he was an All Black himself. He wasn't a great All Black. I think he played like 20 games for the All Blacks. A pretty good Crusaders player, but he wasn't someone who had an iconic sport rugby career. But he was, you know, like if, you get, if you're an All Black, you're a great player, but he wasn't, you wouldn't think he'd go on to become the greatest player of all time. And the thing about Scott, or the greatest, one of the greatest coaches within New Zealand's domestic rugby and super rugby world. And the thing about Scott Robinson, he's, he's a real big personality. Um, he seems like quite a fun character and probably goes against the troops of most New Zealand sporting coaches. And so, but he's an absolute winner. Uh, he took over the Canterbury rugby team and they weren't winning at that stage, and they ended up winning successfully. He took over the New Zealand under-21s team, they won. He took over the Crusaders, which is kind of the next level from the Canterbury rugby team, and they pretty much won every championship he's ever coached. Like, he'd be the most winning coach within the sport of Super Rugby, and it's looking like he'll be the next All Black coach. And there's just something about Scott Robinson that, can get high performance out of people. And he seems to do it in a really powerful way. And then we've got Nolan Tarua, who is the New Zealand netball team coach. And Nolan Tarua is this lady who, the New Zealand netball team went through a period where it was actually just embarrassing. Like traditionally in the sport of netball, uh, New Zealand, it's kind of been New Zealand and Australia have dominated historically. Australia has definitely been the number one team, but we've had our moments in the sun as well. And uh, in the last period of time, and like when I say last period of time, kind of last 10 years, the, the English have become very good at netball as well. So it was kind of like three teams. But there was a point about five, six years ago where we we were actually just horrific. And um, like we lost to Malawi, I think it was. We, we, we basically got like sixth in the world, which really was not good enough. Like we, we were a much better team than that. And so... Uh, at that time, Nolene Tarua took over the netball team, and she took over them with like maybe a year to go before the next World Cup, and within a year, they won the World Cup. Now, to me, I love, you know, that's the kind of person I want to go out for lunch with, because I love people that know how to get the best out of people. Like, that's the kind of person I'm attracted to. I, I love people who achieve big things, don't get me wrong, and, and I love you know, there's musicians and so on that I love, but the ability to bring something higher level out of somebody, and even more so out of a culture and a group of people, is to me one of the most powerful life skills that anyone can have. And very luckily when I was younger, I was doing a public talk and I got to have dinner with the All Black coach who won the World Cup twice. Uh, Graham Henry, or did he win it twice? I think Graham Henry won it twice. Yeah, and so... Um, or maybe he did maybe he won it once. But anyway, I, I got to have dinner with him and it was, I loved it because I learned so much insight about how you deal with high-level people. Now, going back to the Breakers, I was listening to an interview with the coach of the Breakers who's taken them from being in a really bad place, basically last in the competition, to being one game away from winning the competition within 12 months. And I really love this interview because he kind of said, they were kind of curious around what creates a great team. And he came up with a few statements which I thought were really powerful. And and I want us to really expand this out when we think about in uh, triathlon, in your triathlon community in general. Now, for some people, your community, you may not even have a triathlon community. Your, your experience of the sport might be a real solo experience. Like I know there's a lot of athletes who... All their trainings on the wind trainer, running by themselves, maybe swimming in a squad, but you know, like really, you may not have a community. But community can be just the people you train with. So, 
that the solo experience is an experience within our sport. But then we can also have you know the small group of people you train with. Then we can have triathlon clubs or triathlon businesses and stuff like that that are really a bigger community. And I always love to think about what's the bit that you bring to your community. And I've got to be fair, I'm not like John. John's been a leader of his triathlon community, his business, uh, the Canterbury Triathlon Club. But like, if John Newsom wasn't around, the club would need a pretty strong person to come in because he's a real driver of the club. And when I was in the sport, I wasn't necessarily involved in that side of things because I was just busy in other areas. But I do think it's a really important to think about who am I within my community. And when I was listening to this interview, these key points he talked about, it made me think about when I'm trying to build community. Because one thing I do in my world is I build communities. I've got my running business, I've got my gym classes. You know, a lot of my world is me being a leader, trying to get the best out of people in environments that capture these things. And I'm a bit like John with the triathlon club in my world, and that I'm the leader who's trying to create a culture. Now, you might be like John and I and be a leader within your community, or you might just be a participant in your community. But one thing I think is really important is what kind of participant am I in my community? And the ultimate participant is someone who makes everyone else in my community get to better levels. Like, that's the thing. I think we need to be thinking about, and it can be simple things like, you know, what's the presence that you bring when you're around your community? And it might just be when you go out on a group ride, or it might be when you are having those social occasions, but what's the presence that you bring? What's the way you communicate with the people in your world within your community? Is it empowering? Is it, is it discovery? Is it, you know, these types of things. But going back to the breakers coach, so they asked him, what does it take to build a great team? And the first thing he said was luck. Now, it's a bit different for a coaching environment, but, you know, like for a sporting environment where you're paying for people to be on your team, obviously there's always going to be a component of luck. The second thing which he said, which I really liked, he said, people in the team have to absolutely love the game. They've got to love the game. Like for him, in his sport, he's... You know, these, these players had to love basketball. And actually, interestingly, I was listening in rugby league. I love my rugby league. And last week, there's a guy called Reese Walsh, who's kind of one of the up-and-coming rugby league players right now. And he played his first game for the Brisbane Broncos last weekend. And absolute blinder. Like, everyone's talking about being, you know, the future legend of the sport. Now, that's big pressure for one game. But, uh, and I was listening to an interview with his coach, and his coach said, the thing about Reese was, he just loves the game. You know, like he's always talking to the legends. He's always learning about their experiences. He's always looking for insight. He's got a guy in his team called Adam Reynolds, who's like the, the kind of the wise soul of his team. He spends all his time with Adam Reynolds. And he's always just, because he loves the game. And when you think about your community, that's what we want to be thinking about, isn't it? Like, you don't just want to surround yourself with people who do the movement. You want to surround yourself with people who love the triathlon game. And I've got to be honest, this is one of the reasons I loved Epic Camp so much. Like, the Epic Camp experience when I was doing it was, you know, killing yourself as an athlete. Like, you know, blitzing yourself day in, day out for weeks, you know, for 10 to 13 days. But one of the highlights was, was sitting down and hearing the stories of these triathletes and he was like the Melina Melina is 
one of the greatest storytellers of all time. And you, you know, there'd be these like fireside chats of Melina. And Melina and Melina were telling you stories about the sport and the history of the sport and some of the iconic races. And then I remember like Louis Decepi, um, he he'd been in the sport since the 80s, and he was still, like to this day he's still he's a lifetime lover of the sport. And when you did Epic Camp, you had these people who were trying to challenge themselves to the highest level, but just loved the sport. And so when you think about your culture, are you surrounding yourself with people who just love the sport? Like you know they can't wait to talk about what happened in Kona last year. You know when you're in that culture. There's a massive thing that comes alongside that. One thing this this coach said, um, I think his name is Modi, I think it is. Um, actually, I should Google search that. I'm going to Google search that for a second. I'm going to pause, I'm going to come back, because I've got to get his name right. I'm back. It is Modi Moore. So his name is Modi Moore. So the second thing he said is, in choosing a team, we have to choose a team of people who still have something to prove. We still have something to prove. Now, this is in... But it's actually probably quite relevant to a triathlon community as well, isn't it? Because what he was saying is he doesn't want players who are at the last part of their career just trying to tick the box to make some money. You know, he wants players who are coming along and still have something to prove. And it's really important because when you still have something to prove, you're willing to fight a little bit harder aren't you? And think back to the interview we did with, um, I can't remember who it was, uh, we did, maybe it was last week, and she, uh, I'm, I'm going to pause again, because I think this is important to get the name right, it was Carrie Lester, so the interview we had with Carrie Lester last week, and she was saying how, when that last race she did, and she just didn't have the fight anymore, she just didn't have the motivation to push hard anymore, and ultimately I think what she was saying was she had nothing to prove in that race, and when we think about the environments we're in, and this is the thing I often think, as much as I'm no longer a triathlete, I'm really proud of the moment I quit because I think if I'd stayed in the sport, I wouldn't have been doing it because I had anything to prove anymore. I think I just would have been doing it because it's the thing I knew in my life. And don't get me wrong, if you're that person who's in that place, right, there's nothing wrong with that. But in my life, I was doing so much exercise anyway, triathlon was another thing on top of that. But I think there are people in the sport who are getting slower and slower over time, aren't actually challenging themselves anymore, aren't actually, you know, are getting slowly slacker. And what I mean by this is they're slowly letting slackness become a part of their sport. They might miss sessions, they might, you know, not show the same level of commitment in the past, they might still be doing enough, but they're getting slightly slacker as time goes by. And when we think about the environments we're trying to surround ourselves in, do you want to be hanging out with that person? Because that person will influence you. Like I remember years ago, I read a study, and they were talking about the influence of negative in group environments. And what they did is they, what they did was really fascinating. What they did is they deliberately planted a person in a meeting who was designed to make the meeting dysfunctional. And what they found, so they do things like the person, someone would be talking, and this person would pull out the phone, just start checking their phone, or whenever I was standing up, they'd sit down, or they just talk to someone else when something happened. So they're kind of designing these these behaviours to be dysfunctional to the group. And what was really interesting in this study was, that, and they did it quite a few times, and basically that person influenced everyone else in the group. So if this person pulled out the phone, then someone else would pull out their phone. And then suddenly lots of people had their phone out. If this person sat down, then suddenly lots of people were sitting down. And this is often the influence of the slightly slowly slacking person, is 
you know, on the day when it's a bit weird, they go, oh, I can't be bothered today. So then you think, oh, maybe I can't be bothered myself as well. But when you're hanging out with people who still have something to prove in the sport and really chasing it hard, they lift you up. And so when you think about those for some those people that you're surrounding yourself with, are you surrounding yourself with someone who still has something to prove and is still chasing a higher level? And are you that person for your people? Or are you that person who's becoming a slightly slacking or the slowly slacking person within the sport? Uh, the next thing he said is they need to be open to growing. And I think this is a really interesting thing for us to explore as athletes. Because I think sometimes we're open to growing in certain areas, but maybe not so much in other areas. And as a fault for me as an athlete, I was always excited by the hard work. You know, I was always, like, I loved, I love hard work. You know, the physical hard work of the sport. I was never that bothered by the science. You know, I couldn't be bothered studying the science of triathlon. Now, if I was open to growing, I would have spent more time to studying the science of triathlon. I would have, now in my time, Millie Powers meters were kind of just coming on board, but I would have done a lot more analysts of my my, my training and racing. I would have spent a lot more time on those things. But because I didn't really care about that area, I didn't grow in that area. And when we think about the triathlon experience, often a lot of people will spend a lot of time either growing in one area and maybe not growing in all areas. And you may be thinking about, no, 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 obviously I'm stereotyping right now because you might be growing in all areas and if you are, absolutely awesome. But a lot of us spend time growing a lot in one area. Like oh, I would spend more and more time just focusing on how I can work harder. Whereas maybe I was better off to go, you know what, spend time on your, on your swim stroke. Like if I'd spent three hours a week for six weeks just analyzing my swim stroke, they would be way better than me just doing lots of hard work. And I think the best example of, from this show that represents that for me was Greg Bennett. Uh, if you ever listened to an interview we did with Greg Bennett, I think we released it as a legend, but we would have put it on the show as well. And Greg Bennett, that interview was so inspirational for me because he talked about what it meant to be a pro athlete. And, you know, when I listened to Greg and I, and I contrasted it with my triathlon experience, and I was a I was a good local Ironman athlete. You know, I wasn't a rock star, but, you know, if you're around nine hours, you're a pretty decent athlete. Um, but there were many things I didn't do to help myself get to the next level. Now, admittedly, it wasn't my full-time job, and I didn't really see myself having an opportunity of making a massive career out of it. So I was in a different position to Greg Bennett. But when you listen to Greg Bennett, he did everything he did needed to be the best athlete. Everything. He invested money, time, resource, assessment, growth. Everything about his journey was how do I grow as an athlete? And he could have been just some everyday athlete or some second tier pro, but he actually had a very successful career as a pro. And to me, being open to growing isn't just to be open to growing in the areas that you're already strong, it's to be open to growing in all the areas that it takes to be a complete athlete. And if you're listening to this right now, and you're not growing in many areas, why aren't you open to growing in their areas? Because often they can have the biggest impact. Again, if I think back to my swimming, I didn't do a lot of time focusing on swim technique. And although I'm very proud of how much I improved my swimming in my time, if I'd just done that work with my technique, I would have gone way better, way faster. Next up, and I like this, they have to get along with their people. They have to be people who get along with people. And he talked about, I want people on my team who their friends like, 
who their family like, who who the team likes. Like, this is really important because we all know, like one of the things I think is really interesting, when you think about the stresses of life, when you think about the people in your life when they're talking about the stress that they're under, often those stresses are other people. Like, sure, sometimes it's work overload. Sure, sometimes it's, it's a big life thing, like maybe a death or thing like that. But when you think about it, a lot of people's stress in life is often other people in their life. It might be work colleagues, it might be family members, it might be um, friends that are kind of just frustrate you. But it also can be people in your communities. And so when you think about the people in your triathlon community, are you hanging out with people who are just good people? And also, what person are you in their community? And I think that's a really important thing to think about. Because ultimately, you want to be a good person in your community. And if everyone, if you are hanging around with a good group of people in your community, it's going to be a much better experience for all people involved. So there's, there's kind of two parts of this. is Who are the people that are in your community? Um, and who are you within your community? And, and I've got to be honest, I'm a big believer if, if there's crap people in your community, um, now sometimes you can't remove yourself, sometimes there will be an aspect of it, but spend as little time with them as much as possible. Like one thing I'm a big person, a big thing in my life is, if you're a crap person in my life, you just aren't in my life. Like, why would I waste my time? And now I'm lucky I've got a very autonomous life, I can make that choice. And I get it that some people don't always get that option. But as much as you can, get rid of the crap and keep the good people in your life. Um, one thing one thing he said is they always maintain standards and I, one thing he talked about which I really liked is that there are these forces that are always there designed to drop your standards there are forces that are always there that are designed to make you drop your standards and what a cool statement that is because we can think about that in our own personal way like one of the biggest forces that makes us drop our standards is fatigue let's be honest a lot of people will either not hit objectives or miss training sessions because they're tired it's a force that's stopping you from maintaining the standards like if if a good athlete's standard is is to, to adhere to a program and consistently do it and hit the objectives of the program What's going to stop you? And, and your standards, I always hit my program. Then what would work against that? But then there's other things that work against the standards. And I'll give you a really good example from my life. So um, I was at the gym the other day, and and I'm I'm an older instructor in my gym, and I'm often a mentor or a leader to younger instructors, and I love mentoring the young instructors and try to teach them the right lessons. And I've been mentoring an instructor for a while now. And she's progressed amazingly. And what's been really cool about her progress is the area where I mentored her in was an area where maybe I thought she'd never get there. Like she was a very skilled instructor, very um, good coach, but not necessarily very good at fun and connecting people, which is a really important part of a fitness experience. And when I first started working with her, because she was quite a serious soul and, and, and deeply intelligent so your classes were really good on on a kind of like a practical sense but they were missing that component of connection and fun and this instructor man she's taken on every bit of feedback that i've given her and now is actually a bit of a rock star in this area like now like you would have never thought this person struggled in this area it's really comfortable and really strong 
And a couple of weeks ago, and, and also she's doing really well within her career, so she's kind of getting leadership position. So now she's becoming a bit of a, a, a she gets to present the next level opportunities. She's getting some instructors that she's starting to mentor herself. And recently I walked into the staff room and a few of the staff members were being a bit catty. We're actually just being quite critical of another instructor. And um, it was kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of gossipy, um, kind of, you know, just being a bit negative about someone else. And um, they asked me what I thought, and I just said, yeah, I, I think this person's nice. And and someone said, the thing about you, Bevan, is you never shit on anyone. And the, the instructor that I'd been mentoring had been shitting on this other instructor. Now, my job as a leader is to maintain the standards of what it means to be a part of our team. And what it means to be a part of our team is that if we have a problem with someone, you talk to the person if above you as a manager or you address it with the person yourself. You don't talk behind the person's back. And it's really important within a culture because I'm really proud of the gym culture in Christchurch because our culture is... It's actually a really supportive in culture, and so I was, I was quite shocked because I you don't normally hear that kind of conversation within our culture. And after I didn't pull the, my my the instructor that I've been mentoring up in the moment, but I did pull her up later on. I said, "You're becoming a leader, and being a leader means there's standards we need to maintain. And those standards mean that if we have a problem with someone, we address it, or we go to management to address that problem. But we're not the people." who start gossip, but if anything, we maybe challenge gossip in those moments. Now, for me, in my environment, to be a leader means I have to fight for the standards. And if I just come into that room and heard them gossiping, and you know, and, and, and in some ways, I'm an instructor that a lot of these instructors look up to, if I just added to the gossip as well and agreed, what's that telling them? That's a force against standards. And so one thing we need to understand when we think about standards is that there's always going to be forces working against it. And a part of our role is learning to navigate them, navigate them, but also to, to understand when we're a leader. So again, let's just go back to your triathlon community. If someone's talking about someone else behind their back in a really negative way, actually this happened to me, I remember this happened to me when I was younger. I've got a guy who has always um, invest, mentored me a little bit with property investing. Real, one of, real nice guy, brilliant thinker, generous, um, and I remember one time I was actually being critical of a real estate agent, and he just goes, oh, I, I just, you know, I, he just goes, I, I always, what he said to me, he just said, I don't like to say bad things about people, if I've got a problem, I'll just address it with them, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that person. Like, admittedly, I have this saying that I have every morning. If I don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. And in that moment, I was just a bit weak in that moment around that statement. And and, and, and he didn't pull me, he didn't say, he, didn't, he, just, he just said, hey, here's my standard. And it made me self-reflect. It made me feel a bit crap because I was being a bit of a gossip um, and I was saying bad things about somebody else behind their back. And and he, he didn't tell me off. He just said, hey, I, I, I don't really do that. And it's a really, it was a really nice way just to say, hey, this is a standard that I maintain. And I just think that when we think about standards, there's many different types of standards. There's the training standards. There's the culture standards. There's the um, how we treat people standards. These types of things are something, there's always forces working against it. But when we're in, a, in an environment, it's part of our job to maintain the standards and maybe even evolve the standards. So 
I've kind of talked for 30 minutes here. Hopefully there's been value in this for you. But just to recap what Coach Modi was saying, first of all, um, luck does take a part of the piece. Uh, we need to surround ourselves, with people, surround ourselves with people who love the game, people who have something still to prove in the game. They are open to growing in all ways. They are good at getting along with people and maintain and fight for the forces that work against the standards that help us be the highest levels. So hopefully you've got something from that. We're going to go back to the show now and we're going to talk about how we did the interview with Helen and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, you'll see that. We'll get Helen on the show in a few weeks from now, but hopefully you've got some value from that. And uh, yeah, here's the next part in the show. We've done this interview after we've done this part of the show, so we're sure you enjoyed it and we'll put the links to where you can find out more about what Helen does in the show notes. Jombo. Let's open my package. Yes. I, I actually know what it is. You do know yeah. it's anything exciting? Yeah. You're shopping on Trade Me, so our Trade Me sort of... No, no, no. Like Mountain Warehouse on new winter gloves. Winter gloves. Yeah. What are you using for? Because I coach. Right. Yeah, when I'm coaching, you're bloody freezing. Yeah. And I bought some the other day, but they were too small. Did, so did you go high end? You've got to go high end with gloves. Uh, You've gone budget, have you? 60 bucks, 70 yeah. bucks. Is that what you paid though? Uh, I think I got a little bit of a discount. Yeah. These are... These are Hurricane Extreme windproof gloves. No, but have, they, have you got little? Have they got little bits so you can still operate your phone on them? Let's find like out. Let's find yeah. out. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. That's fatal mistake. Yeah, but well, an extreme weather. Yeah, yeah, you're screwed anyway. Yeah, but I think I cocked up because I, I think I wasn't really that bothered about windproof. I thought they were waterproof. Mm. So I need to buy another pair. Mm. You need good gloves, John. You good if you're gloves. coaching outside, mm-hmm. you freeze your hands off. Mm. So I got to, but I tell you what, I did get the other day because I don't, I don't. You do you? How often do you shave? Mm. Maybe every three days. And how do you else? shave? Do you uh, ra- what do you razor? Razor with it. Proper razor. Yeah. And you're a hairy man, aren't you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. So I, if I was working in an office, I'd have to shave every day. Yeah. So I'm not a hairy man. Mm. I've got seven hairs on my chest, mm-hmm. and I'm 45. Mm-hmm. And I really wish it was eight. Yeah. And so, um, so I only use clippers, and not even right. like proper, not razors, just like clippers yeah. you do for your haircut. Yeah. Um, and I probably do that once a week, mm-hmm. twice a week, and I shave my mowy bit mm-hmm. or shave it twice God, a week as well. Yeah. Because otherwise it looks a bit funny. So, um, but my clippers died on me. Yeah. So I was online, and I was trying to buy the same set because I really like the clippers I had, and they're mm-hmm. a bit more cheaper than better than the budget ones, and they're like 140 bucks for clippers, mm-hmm. which isn't cheap. But then, have you been to nzsale.com or .co.nz? No. Unbelievably cheap, John. Right. Paid 60 bucks. There you go. Everywhere else is 140. <laughs> These were 60 bucks. So I was thinking that was what's coming there. So anyway. <laughs> Just <laughs> some shitty old gloves that aren't waterproof. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so to my, I thought these were like ski gloves. Yeah. Because you need good gloves. Yeah. Because I bought two pair of gloves. I bought a soft... <laughs> you're two down. You're still not getting anywhere. <laughs> Screw it. Okay, let's go into... Okay, let's go quiz answer. Okay, so how many races or matchups, as they call them, at the Collins Cup did Team Europe win? So 12, six, men, six female races, mm-hmm. and they definitely dominated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say they won... Jeez, it was pretty big. Though. I'm going to say seven. Well, you got to think, out of the boys, yeah, you'd say Gustav Eden would have won... Blumenfeld will have won. Uh, who's that Dutch fella? Beckengard, I'm pretty sure he won. That's three. What did I say? Did I say seven? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's at least three on the boys' side. Probably four. Then you think maybe Anne Haug, probably. Uh, no, she had a bad day, didn't she? she? Maybe she did. Um, but I'm pretty sure Kat, Kat Morris, Kat Morrison, not Kat Morrison, Kat. 
Yep. You know who I mean? One. I think Lucy Charles won. I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to go seven or eight. Make a number, mate. Uh, I'm going to go seven. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You should have gone eight. I went seven. Daniela Reef took out one. Ashley Gentle took out the next. Paula Finlay took out the next. Nicholas Spurig. Holly Lawrence, uh, so Nicholas Spurrig and Holly Lawrence, so you, um, Europe, Anne Haug. Oh, you threw me off. See, I said Anne Haug, and then you, you threw me my, off. She, she won plan. as well. <laughs> Blumenfeld, uh, Ditlev, Gustav Eden, Daniel Beckengard. There, there you go. go. Eight. That's eight a, wins. There's almost a problem with this format, isn't it? So the points ended up being 53 points for Europe, 38 points for internationals, and 22.5 points for the US. So US Does the US team. win any? Don't yeah. think they because it was really close. No, they didn't. Um, Sam Long and Lionel Sanders sort of had that sprint finish. That was about as close as. So Ashley Gentle, Paula Finlay, didn't Braden Curry win? Uh, no, Lionel Brady, Sanders. Braden Curry won the first. Aaron time. Royale. So, yeah. so there you go. So come on, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait till they announce what they're going to do with it. Mm. Something's got to change. Yeah, something's got to change. Right, so, Bevan, because like. The whole idea is you want to support your region. Mm. It's just not close. Yeah. Okay, Jombo. Um, let me go back to my show notes here. Uh, what do you think you're going to swim in your imaginary swim? In your fake swim? Oh, my fake swim. A fake swim. Hundred one hundreds on one minute. We're going to do. Fi- this is what we're going to put down. We're going to do fi- a warm up. Warm up for some description. We'll go say warm up. We'll do six hundred, and we're going to go hundred freestyle, hundred uh, kick drill. 100 IM, 600 warm up, then five 400s, three steady, two moderately hard, so that's uh, two, two six, and then we'll just do some sprints to finish, so we'll do 200 easy, and then we'll do 10 25s, one sprint, one underwater. Do yeah. like a bit of underwater stuff just to get you out of your comfort zone. Here's a question for you. Mm. 100 100s, you did them on the what? Well, I've done them on various different times okay, over well. the years. Um, when we did them last time, I think we were doing them probably on the one. I think we did them outside in a shitty slow pool, so I think we did them on the one forty. Probably should do them on the one thirty-five ish. How much rest does that give you? Uh, about seven to eight seconds. Okay. The best in the world. What would they? What could they do? One hundred, one hundreds on. Um, I don't know. They'd probably be pretty comfortable swimming, like maybe a. 105 or something like that, I guess. So maybe going on 115, something okay. like that, I'd imagine. Yeah. I don't know how long that, yeah. It's not, really a challenge, like that. it's not a challenge that people, you know, like like Everest singer, you know, like it's, mm. it's not a challenge where people are recording. But it'd be really interesting to see what an elite endurance swimmer, because they'd probably have to be an endurance swimmer or at least a 1500 meter swimmer, wouldn't they? Uh, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But yeah. don't, don't, wouldn't even the fast guys just lose? They, they still do pretty big volume. Oh, do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm out of touch with the old swimmer, the top swimming, what they get up to these days. It's changed a little bit. Back in the day, you know, we were swimming twice a day, five days, five, six days a week. How's it changed now? What do they do? Uh, I think they swim a bit less. Uh, no, I think there's, there's a lot more different approaches, whereas I think back in my day, most people thing. did the same sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. What was your highlight of your swimming career? Because uh, I've heard the highlight of your triathlon career. The Division Two National Championships. What happened? What race was it? Got first in the... 200 back first in the 100 back and a first equal in the 200 IM first equal and then they gave it to the other dude so I got second well, what do you mean well back what they do with swimming back then this is before touch 
Yeah. So it's you have three people timing. So three three timers on each one, and I'm pretty sure they used to take the middle time. So you'd write you have three times three, down. three times for each person. Each each lane would have three timers really? on them, wow. um, and you'd write down three times, and the middle one would be the time that yep. you'd get. And so in this particular race, dead heated with somebody else um, in terms of the our middle times for our timers were both exactly the same. And then you have an official on the side, and he thought that they touched before me. I was like, whatever. Did you like racing? Because uh, like, this is a like, long time ago, Bevan. This is yeah, I know. Yeah, 30, well, 30, nearly thirty-five years but ago. I, yeah, I've never really swam other than on Epic Camp when mm. I beat you in that 50, 50 meter swim, <laughs> and, and there was official. <laughs> we had three timers there. I remember it fondly. Um, I've never really did racing where you where you are just watching the person lane next to you. You know, what you're doing. Did you enjoy yeah. that aspect of it? You're not watching that much what they're doing. You're just going hellfully there. Are you really? Yeah. Are? I mean, you can see, if you're doing free, you can see a little bit of there, and you can you get a bit of a sense um, of what what's going on. But if it's um, yeah, you're more just going as hard as you can. Did you ever race Division One? No, but I should have done. But that's, that winning that level there would have got me reasonably high up in Division One. Um, Why didn't you? Because I wasn't good enough. You have to qualify times. Oh, and then I okay. had this really good meet. And I was like, oh, this is a bit shit. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Wish I could have done that a few months ago. What, what age did you quit swimming? Uh, my first triathlon was 1991. So that would have been 15 then. So probably it was about then. So uh, 14. So it was purely because you found a new sport. Uh, and I wasn't good enough at swimming. I was yeah. okay. But yeah. just regional level sort of stuff. Who was, the, who was, the, who was like in Christchurch at the time? Who was the shit? You, you might know a personal trainer, Daniel Hibbs. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, See, that's what? That family, they were weapons. Really? I know oh, Daniel yeah. well. He's probably still got all the records. Really? Yeah. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. Because he went into bodybuilding. Yeah. And he was like, he, he had a body. Oh, my yeah. God. He was a, a really successful personal trainer. Too. I never knew that. Yeah. And he's quite a short guy. Yeah. No, he was a beast. And really? his brother was, he, he, he was my year. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. there was uh, they had a brother who was really good as well. They probably still got Canterbury records. Really, mm. I never knew that. Mm. Wow, that's fascinating. Small mm. world, eh? Mm. Small world. Okay, um, let's go into wait a second. What am I saying here? Our fantastic patrons. Uh, we've got Hamish. I never hit the wall. wall. That's another one where we extended the name. Sensational. Michael, call me Sir Turner. We've got um, Nathan, Mighty Mole Regan. If you want to become a patron and get a cool nickname like that, you go to dub dub dub. Iontalk.me, go to the support the show, go through the process, support us what we do by delivering some content to you each week. Uh, also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, go down to the bottom of the front page there. Uh, coaching, coachonnewson.com, my content, anything you want from me, bevanjamesos.com. If you want to email us, email us at iontalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your goss. Last weekend was the Sea Sky Challenge, hasn't actually happened yet, but hopefully it all went well. Who do you think would have won it? Mm, Tom Summer will pop probably. We haven't got really any elites, uh, elite elites racing this year because there's so many bloody different races on. Yep. My concern for the day is we've got high tide. Oh. And the tide comes right to where the swim exit is. Um, and if there's waves coming in. People get smashed. People get smashed. And I have to come up with plan B. So you can only really, and I hate to do this, you can only really make the swim up on the morning because oh. it's a pretty dynamic sort of spot. Okay, yep. So I've kind of, of course, got. Of course, I mean. At Scarborough. Scarborough, yep, yep. So I've got, I've got my plan A. And yeah, I've got a plan B, but hopefully plan B doesn't have to happen because it's going to be. A I remember they had when women's triathlons were huge, and they had the women's triathlon there, mm. and the swim was at the park. 
Like half the field was getting pulled out on the boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and we, the lovely lady from the gym called Dee, she died, unfortunately. She died in a bloody car crash. It was horrible. But, and Dee was this trooper. She was you uh, member at the gym. You mentioned Icon, for, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she did this woman. She was not, it was like, you think she's about to die. Yeah. It was not good. It's, uh, it's, it's, Often can be a tough swim. Although I was out there the other day and it was like a bloody lake. But oh, really? uh, one of the cool things about this race is it can be an insanely hard swim. If it is this year, I'm going to spot a bother and I'll have to come up with a plan B on the fly. <laughs> um, which the swim? Are, uh, it's supposed to be 7.50. Okay. Yeah. So outside of that, Bevan, like this time last oh, week. Wait, when you're putting swim markers out, how do you make sure it's right? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Murray about that. Come on, mother. You G- GPS it with just with your watch. Oh, really? It, just, it gets a bit dodgy above water sometimes. So uh, sometimes it's not not a hundred percent. And, and then, when you say GPS, it, you actually swim it, or you get in the boat? And, no, you get in the boat. Okay. But you've got to go slowly around the corners and stuff. And then the other thing that um, you've got to factor in is the tide. You know, if you set the course. 45 minutes before the tide, then oh, yeah. it's, it can be significantly different. Um, but the Holy Hammer now has got a range finder oh, that we're okay. going to test out <laughs> okay. for this one. And he's going to get his golf range finder to, to, to work the distances, and we'll see how that goes. Because, <laughs> uh, Murray, you had one job. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And the only other bit of bad news this week, this time last week, I had to go to a funeral oh. of a guy that's basically our age. Really? Uh, and is a father of one of the junior triathletes. He's a couple of years older than us. But um, yeah, we're at a funny age, aren't we? Because hmm. we're kind of, you know, we're mid forties now, or nearly late forties. Are you? Forty-seven this year. <laughs> no, you're, 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 I'm still mid. I'm Forty-six down and still mid. Yeah. Um, but we are of that age, you know, where the next generation, you know, mm. our parents' generation, starting to pass away. Um, you health, you know, you like it's really. I was talking to Joe about this recently. I'm very fortunate because I look very young for my age, just because of what mm. I do, and I. You haven't gone grey, basically. Mm. Um, and you meet guys and you literally think they're 10 years older than you. Mm. You know, and that thing of not looking after your health, in, in this age, it really shows, doesn't mm. it? You know, and, you, and you see, you're like I was talking to a guy a while ago and I literally thought he was close to 60. Mm. And then and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, people of our age, or something, I can't remember. And he was literally mm. my age. And I was like, wow. Because mm. in your 20s, you can get away with murder. Mm-hmm. 30s, you can kind of as well. But definitely if you don't look after your health in your 40s, and it's often the time when people neglect their health, isn't it? Because mm. career, family, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just... It's good. This guy didn't neglect his health, but uh, yeah, I think it was some sort of leukemia or something like oh, that. Oh, sad. So, yeah, very sad, because his daughter was, good, was a good triathlete, um, so he helped out a lot of races, so very sad. Oh, well, well mm. sending our love to their family. Um, you know, what's, what's, what's happening with you, Bevan? Uh, my daughter's gone home, based mm-hmm. on a conversation now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's happening with me? Um, I'm trying to get my knee. I'm getting shots of my knee. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that works because I'm sick of my knee now. One recommendation I did take from you, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> the first? Uh, that's going quite well is, is a Les Mills program now. Uh, oh, strict State? development. Strict development. I can tell your guns are getting bigger. Um, and now I'm starting doing that with Belinda once a week. It was, it was kind of, it was somewhat similar to what I was doing with strength training yep. as well. But it's just following um, follow those dots. But yeah, it's a good good routine to so do. One thing is, if you're a triathlete, Les Mills On Demand, or I think it's called Les Mills Plus now, mm-hmm. um, it costs you like 20 bucks a month. Something like that, yeah. It's a great product. Mm. And even for triathletes, because a lot of people nowadays are trying to sell you all your strength programs and stuff. A, you got pump. Pump's pretty basic, but they've got a program called Core, which mm-hmm. you do, Core, don't you? Yep. Core's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant because it's brilliant for impact, you know, for it's your hips, it's your, it's your all your core regions, upper back, lower back. 
quite tough. You don't need much gear. You basically need a stretchy a band, band and, and a hand weight. Yep. Um, the one thing I would say about the core routine on there is it's quite fast moving, and for a lot of people, it takes a while to get the moves and the yeah. coordination. So you just got to be patient with it. And it's tough. It's a good program. Uh, yeah. If, if, you know, like I remember when I was in. Who did I room with? The guy who worked for Ford. Lovely guy. Oh, Brian, yeah. Brian Hagen, he's bloody, he had a bike crash and smashed his hips. He's on, he's on the comeback now. Oh, Brian, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling for you, Brian. Brian was an was, awesome guy and he was, you know, fat athlete hmm. um, and um, we, we tried to do the workout and he really struggled with it. Hmm. And in some ways, I actually, there's one criticism of the workout, I think it's a bit too hard. Hmm. But you can, obviously you can work towards levels, but it's a great workout. But they've got this new program called Strength Development and the, the cool thing about it is it's, you need some equipment, so you need a bar, yeah. some hand weights. So you probably need to invest a few hundred bucks in a base equipment. Um, but it's a bit more heavy reps, low counts. Mm. Whereas a pump class is like five minutes doing squats, mm. low low volume or low weight, heaps of reps. This is like you're doing eight to twelve, mm. you know. And it's yeah, it's really good. Mm. Yeah. So and you know they they've obviously got other workouts as well which probably aren't that applicable to triathletes the dan- so dan- dancing one's probably not no. uh, although they've got a, a stretch and they've got yoga oh yeah you know so they've definitely got a lot of body care stuff as well mm. you know so if you are looking for that type of solution because it's flexibility and strength are the two areas that most triathletes neglect mm. so and interestingly you, do you ever listen to the Huberman podcast no Andrew Huberman, he's been on here right because I interviewed him and we put him on here he's basically got the number one sports podcast in the world now uh, he's a Genius of a man. Uh, but he did a series with one of the world's best academics around health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And he did a series of six really in-depth interviews. And he, and he, he was talking about how um, there was these twins because the twins are almost perfect to, to kind of study. Mm-hmm. And there was one who was an endurance athlete and there was one who was basically a truck driver and didn't really do any sport at all. Now, the endurance athlete killed him when it comes to like VO2, you know. Mm. But strength wasn't any better. Mm. Yeah, and it was. And this guy was saying basically, um, you know, people who just do cardio all the time, they they actually have big problems with their bodies because they're not doing the strength work. Mm. And so something like what you've added to your routine, I know you're doing mm. some anyway. It's a really good thing to add into your week, not just for your sporting ability, but actually for the whole functionality of your body. So something to think about. Mm. It's called. Uh, it's not. It used to it's be called, called strength development. But but the program is oh, just look up Les Mills plus, um, plus or. or it was on demand, but I think it's plus now, yeah. Mm. And it's literally like 20 bucks a month. Okay, John, uh, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.